once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Now on our podcast, we interview musicians and other industry professionals to give you an inside look on how to take your music to the next level. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the C Squared podcast with Corey and Curtis. We are once again unsupervised today, which is going to be super fun like it always is. And we are here with the illustrious Tom DeWitt of the project TDW. I know super, super unique name. He is also a label <laughs> owner and he is here to shed a some uh, light on the industry, drop some knowledge bombs on y'all, and we're super happy to have him here. So first, I just want to say thank you for joining us today. Hey, it's my it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, it's it's always fun. And yeah, I love doing this kind of stuff. So yeah. What I don't you? know if you're doing it after this, but you know what? <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get wild and wacky, Tom. So the very first question is: Can you please kind of go give your give a little bit of a background of who you are, what you do, nutshell version? Uh, nutshell version. I'm a uh, musician and uh, mostly a writer. I would, I would describe myself as a writer who performs his own material. I write lyrics and write all the music myself within the TDW project. I built my own studio. That's why I'm also producing my own music. And uh, basically, when I was 14 years old, I decided I wanted to become a musician. And I've always, uh, I always was that kid that was like, I want to do everything myself. So I did. And um, the results obviously may vary, but um, I'm very happy that I'm now at a point that I'm able to create all the work that I do and uh, have a, a pretty big amount of creative control over that. And uh, the label Layered Reality Productions kind of came from my own desire to release my own music in 2011. And that has evolved into a way bigger thing over the years. <laughs> and um, that's the really concise version. There you go. I like that uh, concise version here. So before, before we get into anything else, uh, can you clarify for everybody uh, what that the Dutch do or do not wear wooden shoes? Some do, I guess. I, I I don't know. I cannot speak on behalf of uh, 17 million people, but I sure as fuck don't. Like, I tried it once, and the blisters that came after were, yeah, no, it wasn't fun. Don't, just did don't, really, don't. Did you really wear wooden shoes at one point? No, it was like my dad used to have these when he was working in the garden, and for some he got it as a, I think it was a joke gift, and oh. at a certain point... I don't know. I was in my teenage years and I had to do some garden work and I was like, oh, oh my shoes are broken. Okay, fuck it. I'll take these. And that was the, wor the worst decision of my life. <laughs> never, never do it. Never. I, I understand. Um, okay, so now getting in, getting into something serious here. So like, mm -hmm. let, can you give a little bit of a background on your TDW project, just like a brief rundown, and then me and Corey can start asking some questions. Okay, well, um, basically how I would describe it to the outside world, because that's the simplest way to describe it, is it's uh, it's progressive metal in the sense that it's uh, very diverse. I like doing music that is not uh, predictable in that sense. A song could start in one way and it could end in a completely 180 turn. And to me, that is interesting. Um, and that's that's kind of where the progressive aspect comes in. And I really am always in love with symphonic bombastic sounds, so I often add symphonic elements into my music. But the thing is, like, the moment you say symphonic, people kind of have this uh, preset notion, like, oh, then it sounds like, you know, The Night Wishes, The Within Temptations, all these kind of bands. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure my music doesn't. <laughs> but it's, it's just like, because I'm using the symphonic, uh, symphonic elements, you kind of, well, you kind of have to mention it 
if there's like violins and uh, and brass and flutes and all that kind of stuff in there, then people will automatically pigeonhole you in there anyway. So I kind of mentioned it in advance. And for me, it's really about the freedom to create legitimately whatever I want. I, I could make a black metal sounding record under the TDW name because it's my project. It's like I'm the only constant factor that is there. And I like challenging myself. So that's kind of how I approach this whole project always. Well, I want to ask a question. I think you've told me this before, but maybe not because I'm now wondering it. Um, why did you call it TDW and not Tom DeWitt? Well, because my name in that sense, like Tom DeWitt is basically one of the most, it, it's just a boring ass name. <laughs> you know, it does, it, it's like in the Netherlands, it's like DeWitt really is like white, you know, like you would have you white Johnson or black or whatever, those kind of names. And in, in my case, I was like Tom DeWitt. No, that does. No, I don't like that. And I felt that the abbreviation could also lead to new openings. For example, I call the fans and the people that have been supporting it, I call those the Dreamwalkers. And that's also TDW. Uh, so that's like, you know, it, it all ties into one another. And I figured that if I do that, then, I mean, yes, it is bluntly a solo project, but it could mean more because it's an abbreviation. You know, you can't put different things to it. Nice. Which I think leads into Corey's question. Yeah. I mean, because it also doesn't really like pigeonhole you into only being a solo project because you also bring on a ton of different guests and other people that you work with. Exactly. And how do you usually go about finding all of those, or how do you decide who you're going to work with on a specific um, project? Well, it, it, there, there, there's many ways. Like I have, uh, I have a few quote unquote rock and roll stories of just meeting people at festivals and at gigs, and just you know starting talking while over a beer, and then suddenly you're like, hey, I like this person, and he can play the guitar. Maybe he can do a solo on my song. You know, it's a bit. It, 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 but it is really an intuitive process. I tend to first write the songs completely. I have a whole album. And then I just kind of make spaces in the songs in which I know, okay, this needs to have a guitar solo or whatever. And then as time goes on during the writing process, I tend to just look around and look at everyone that I meet and know. And there's also a lot of people that just send me messages like, hey, you know, I um, do you want to listen to my band or whatever. And if something is interesting, like from a label perspective or personal perspective, then I might invite those people over on one of my songs. But I do try to always pick the people that fit the role. Like I'm, I'm very picky about. I know, I, I know a lot of great guitar players who can shred a million miles a second, if you know what I mean. But it's like, that's not what is always needed for the song. So then I won't, might not invite that person to do that song, if you know what I mean. It really should fit. Yeah, I think it's kind of a, because I know that a lot of artists prefer to have the whole song laid out or written before they're approached for mm. a guest spot or anything like that so you think it's helpful to have it all ready to go and then be like i think you'd be perfect for this yeah absolutely it's it, 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 at least in my case it's like um i mean i give people a pretty broad space to work in but i've noticed that a lot of musicians actually like it when i say okay this part comes after this the song's about this and i think it would be really cool if this is a really fast bit and if there's like some arpeggios in there or whatever. And then I would still not dictate what to do because I'm like, well, there's like a million ways you could play that. So, and what I've noticed is, especially with guitarists and with keyboard players, they actually love the fact that they're getting some, some keywords to work with. Like, okay, this is that space I should be in and this is what I should be doing. And so far, I don't, I've, well, I've had a few people who obviously said no or just didn't reply to my email or whatever, but basically, that happened three times, I think. And everyone else who I asked always liked it and always liked being a part of it and always liked 
putting a bit of themselves into those songs. So I want to ask, I want to ask a financial question. How do you go about negotiating to get some of these bigger names to uh, work with you? Well, I ask. <laughs> it's like negotiation. It's a bit like, I'm always honest, you know, this is the kind of music, I mean, I, I of course I put money in and yes, there's money made when we do pre-orders and stuff like that, but it's not like there's, um, there's like a huge label behind it with a mega budget so I can just buy these top grade names. But yeah. I noticed that a lot of the guys that I ask, even the ones in the bigger bands, they all just like the fact that I'm basically DIY and building this whole world, this whole universe of music by myself. Mm. And a lot of those people also either came from a place where they were in the same situation as I am, or they just appreciate the work ethic that is behind it. And for example, with Fabio, the drummer who has been, who's played on the last two records, well, many people know him as the guy that plays with Annihilator. You know, he's a good drummer. He's known for, for all the stuff that he does. And when I asked him for this new record, he was actually, he was really, really chill about it because he was like, yeah, man, I love that, that other record. I really want to do this again. And I, I do think that in at the end of the day, it helps if you have connections, sure. But if your music is really good, I've heard a lot of ex, um, a lot of stories, especially in the prog scene, but also in the heavier metal sphere, that if your music just is solid and if it works, then just shoot the email, do it, you know, ask the question. I mean, the worst that could happen is you get a no, and the best that could happen is that someone's like, yeah, sure, whatever, you know. And what I tend to ask always in my emails i'm just honest about my financial situation but i'm also telling them if you don't want to do it for nothing name your price and i'll see what i can do you know it's it's just open clear communication about those things and often that works the best i think i mean it always works the best i think yeah i would agree uh cory did you have a follow-up before i go on no go for it cool so let's talk just a brief brief moment here um since i know you're going to want to plug this your upcoming release can you kind of go over the concept of that because it's got a kind of a neat concept i think well yeah um fountains um th that's the new album coming out later this year um and it's going to happen in november and yeah. the thing with fountains is that it's funny because this record is kind of a really um to quote bob ross a happy little accident and i love bob ross so much and the fact that you just quoted him is amazing for me, Bob Ross is like, it's I like just a sidestep. I need him sometimes to fall asleep, if you know what I mean, that ASMR vibe, because my head always keeps going and I need stuff to relax to. And Bob Ross never disappoints. And it's always great. And it's always amazing. Bob so, yeah. Ross was ASMR before ASMR was ASMR. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like people, people just kind of realize like, oh, this is a thing now. And now obviously it's a huge thing. But but anyway, um, the album basically came to be because I made that one right there, the white one. Um, yep. that, that was released last year or actually early this year in physical version. And um, I asked people like, hey, do you want to do a pre-order? And, uh, you know, do you want to support making this record? And quite a lot of people responded, which was great. And one of the tiers was, if you <laughs> donate enough, if you pledge enough, then I will write you a song based on an idea that you have or, you know, a concept or a style or whatever. And suddenly I had multiple people asking, wanting me to write songs for them. So I was like, okay, so basically I got a new album to make now because there's people waiting for these songs. And, yeah. and that's really the foundation of Fountains combined with the fact that there were a few songs lying around, which I had for some, some I had longer, some I kind of wrote on the spot, but 
I had a few songs that dealt with being a musician and the industry and, and many different layers of what it is like to be a musician these days. And I yeah. felt that combining that with these fan songs really created this total package. And I was like, well, this is an album now. Like now, now it makes sense. So I would not call it a concept record in that, you know, that it's one continuous story. It's all separate songs, but there is definitely overarching themes that connect all the tracks in one way or another. So now just to go back for one second, just to clarify for my sake. So when you were, cause I don't remember when you were doing the whole, I'll write a song thing for you with the pre-orders of mm -hmm. the, clock, the clock stop. Um, did you specify it was going to be on an album? I thought it was the, just like a personal song. Well, I, basically that, that was, it was just like, I'll write you a song. And yeah. I kind of, I have to admit that it was just like, okay, if someone is willing to donate that much, then I at least owed him a song. <laughs> you know, that, that's kind of what it felt like. And yeah. then um, I realized that people came up with really cool ideas. So the ideas that I got were really inspirational and really cool stuff. So I figured, yeah, but then it would be a shame to just, you know, do it as YouTube songs and, you know, not, not give them some proper playtime. So that that's basically where the idea for the album came from. And I asked everyone like, Hey, would you be cool with that? And well, obviously everyone was very enthusiastic about the idea. So that that's why it's really a product now. But yeah, to, when, when I started out with it, it was really just like, I want, I want to do something cool for those people who are willing to donate that much. And yeah, it was really fun to do. That's awesome. Corey, do you want to say something? Just kind of a little off topic, but on topic. Did you get any that, you know, people that donated a whole lot who wanted to do that, that you were just like, I am not writing a song with that concept? Did you get <laughs> weird? <laughs> to, be, no, to be fair, there's one, there is one song on the album. That I'll, I'll just blatantly say there's one track on the album called Graveyard Boogie, which is the most tasteless thing I've ever done. But it was hilarious because i was talking to the guy who who questioned who asked it for me and he was and he's a friend of mine good friend of mine and a great supporter and he was like look i know this sounds horrendous but i know you you will be able to turn this around and make it into something that fits your concept and is weirdly wholesome and it became weirdly wholesome i mean it, it is about a witch dancing in the graveyard with dead babies and it's happy swing jazz metal and it makes no sense and then it ends and it actually ends with the whole idea like yeah okay you've just been listening to a five minute well weirdo shit show uh but, but there is a really good uh, moral to the story actually near the end and that's what the guy really liked it was like okay see told you i told you you were, you were able to turn this around into something wholesome at the end so that was really funny because yeah it, it i have to admit that was that was a, it was a bit on the edge there i was like I'm not sure if I should do this, <laughs> you know, if this is a good idea, but I'm happy I did. Um, that's kind of funny. So, um, what would, what would it have taken for you not to have recorded a requested song out of curiosity? No, I think, I think personal for me, there's just personal limits. Like, um, there's, for example, like, there's no, um, there's no escaping a certain, you know, personal moral or politics or whatever in lyrics when you write something because you are a person and you have opinions and those will somehow end up in your music. But I, for example, if someone wanted something overtly political or, um, you know, that, that could go that direction, then I would not do it. Not because I'm against that, because I listen to a lot of bands who have pretty strong opinions in there, but I feel that it's not my place. You know, it's a bit like, 
am I the right guy to do this? I don't know. You know, it, it's it, the, it's the Dutch Dolly Parton. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, but it's it's really political either. No, but it's it's just that you know I think that there's um there is people listening to my music. It's something that I've learned quite a long time ago. There's people listening to my music whose politics are not mine, and whoa, yeah, and those whoa. people are still lovely like i've it's it's just the whole being nuanced about being you know who you're being in touch with i have a lot of people around me who might you know not be on the same level as i am in certain topics does that mean that i cannot love them or that i cannot you know that i cannot respect them for who they are no those are two separate things for me so that 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 kind of ties into that if you know what i mean like if i feel that something is writing if something would be just kicking for the sake of it, then I also kind of feel like, what's the point? There's other bands who are already doing this. You know, that's not my place. It's yeah. just try not to try to try to be friends with everyone without being offensive. Well, yeah, yeah. it's like, but, but it's, it's also like, but then again, I'm, it might, that might sound contradictory, but I don't necessarily have to be friends with everyone. Like I know there's people out there who I won't be friends with because we're just so far apart and that's just not a good combination, but that yeah. doesn't mean I hate them. Yeah. You know, that, that, that doesn't mean that I don't have to, uh, that, that I wouldn't treat them with human decency and uh, give them a beer if I would see them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nope. I 100% know what you're talking about. Uh, Corey, did you have a follow-up on that or can I go? I'm good. You go for it. Cool. So next question here. So I'm talking to you as a label owner just for a brief minute. So we only got 10 minutes left. Just, to, just yeah, I, I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> uh, but so as a label owner for a brief second. So you only do CD and digital, correct? Just before I ask my question. No, no. We, we also do vinyl. If obviously, if an artist wants to do vinyl, we uh, basically we'll do other. I thought it was just okay. Oh, sorry, one more time. The connection was sorry. Bit... Yeah, no worries. I was trying to clarify. Like any other artist, you'll also do vinyl for, not just CD. I thought it was only the TV. Okay, never mind. No, 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 no. It's like we've uh, we've done vinyl for Avandra and um, actually, the, like like for Aeon's End right now, for example. That's what we're promoting right now. Then we actually did CD because it is a. A uh, 31 minute song, which is like the whole thing, which is too big to call it an EP, but it's actually too small to put it on vinyl properly because then it would ruin the flow of the song. The whole point is that you should listen to the whole thing start to back. And then we, we did talk about vinyl for a bit, but then we kind of realized like, mm, this is going to be too hard to make this work. So that's why we deliberately chose to just go for the CD version. But yeah, it, it really depends on what someone wants. I mean, Honestly, by now, for me, it's like, I just want to release cool products. And if someone comes up to me as like, hey, we just want to do a cassette, then a part of me actually would be kind of giddy. Like, I've never done that before. Let's try this. You know, it's like, it's just the idea of playing around with it and then trying to package that cassette in, in such a way that everyone would be like, well, this is the weirdest shit I've ever seen, but I do want to own it. You know, that, that kind of idea. So where I was going with this was um, how are you dealing with the uh, current vinyl production issues? I don't. don't. Um, <laughs> it's the, no, it's, it's just, look, it's just a reality that we all, we're all facing right now. And um, I'm not sure when this, this very episode is going live, but next the Monday after we're recording this, I'm launching the first video for the album, for the album process for fountains. And I want to go for vinyl and CD in one package. The whole idea is that I want to go for this one package, which has everything in one go. And I know that a lot of people really dig that because then they do have the big artwork, but they also have the CD to play and they have the download codes, etc. Yeah. And the thing is just that I'm going to be honest from the start, 
I'm just going to tell them, like, look, this is the situation right now, and there's not much... I wish I could do some mumbo-jumbo that more, you know, more PVC would be available worldwide, but yeah, that's not really going to happen anytime soon, I'm afraid, so we just kind of have to deal with what it is. And, and I think um, they're are really used to it now. Like exactly. they come to expect it at this point because of just how much of a, like everybody, it doesn't matter who you are at this point, everybody is getting hit. Exactly. And, and it's like the, the plants that, that I'm working with, we, I have a very good working relationship with uh, Dutch music works. That's our dis distributor also puts it on the uh, Spotify and all those places. And uh, they work with the bigger printers in Eastern Europe that Sony also works with, etc. And it's just, the same shit, different day. Everyone has the same situation right now. And I don't know. I, I mean, I was a bit, I was a bit shocked to hear that, you know, one of my favorite bands between the Bury and me, they released their new album colors recently or colors too. And the vinyl is not going to be there until October. And I was like, that is yep. so fucked. That is yep. so horrible. It doesn't matter who you are, big band, little band, everybody is getting hit. So at least yeah. we're not alone. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird connecting thing between all of us right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, are you selling more CDs now as a result, or is it not affected out of curiosity? Honestly, I think it um, with releases, at least this is what I noticed within the prog sphere, and obviously I'm not sure how this is within other genres of metal, but what I'm noticing is that um, actually we've been selling a lot of CDs because there's also a lot of people are like, I, I, like they would want to buy vinyl, but they're just not able to afford it because obviously vinyl is just more expensive. It's just what it is. And I've noticed that if you go for good quality CDs, and in our cases, we always try to do good diggy packs, booklets, you know, like really make it look good and make it a thing you want to have that there's quite a few people are like, you know, I don't even have a CD player, but I just wanted to have that thing because it looks so good. You know, I just, yeah. I, I want to have that product. Yeah. And, and that is something that I keep repeating to all the artists I work with, but also with other labels. Like, if you need to spend $200 more, but you got something that looks really fucking great, as opposed to just doing a crappy diggy pack made out of cardboard that you can tear apart like this, then spend those 200 extra dollars because it will help your sales. Because people know that they're getting something that love and dedication has been poured into. Well, the other thing too, at least this is from my viewpoint, I don't know what Corey's viewpoint is on this. I know she doesn't like CDs, period. Um, I think, I think the thing that pisses, has pissed me off about CDs in the past is if you'll order a CD to get the physical copy and literally mm -hmm. all CD with the cover and like there's oh. little notes, there's no booklet. It's just like, yeah, that, I, I that pisses me off. I, I don't know. But I get, but that pisses me off too. It's like, yeah. I've, I've had situations with bands um, and I'm not naming names because I notice it. I know that, that it's obviously not the same for everybody, but yeah. I've had situations with bands that I would order their CD and a t-shirt or something. And then the t-shirt would be the better part of the package because the CD was just a really cheaply printed yeah. crappy diggy pack. And then I would be like, guys, come on. You know, yeah. You, you could have maybe put in a little bit of effort there. Like for, I've, I've released multiple CDs that fold out like five times or, you know, yeah. like have an extensive poster that folds out or whatever. Then you actually provide value. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Otherwise you might as well just buy the MP3. Uh, Corey, yeah. did, you, did you have a thought on that? Uh, no, just for the people though, that, uh, are probably going to be in the process of pressing a CD. What do you consider to be the best format? Like the the one hundred percent plant based ones, the digi packs, uh, jewel cases. What do you consider to be the highest quality and the best value? 
digipacks and at least try to go for like like did like digi sleeves can work the unfortunate truth with digi sleeves is that there's some um possibilities of scratching you know when you get to get the disc in and out etc yeah um so i do prefer digi packs try to go for the printers that is a stupid hippie talking but try to go for the ones that use recycled plastic because there's obviously already enough plastic on the planet that we don't need um and well it, it's it's honestly i think with diggy packs even if it's just a double fold out with a booklet that in itself is already a bit of an experience you can put it somewhere you know it has a look to it it's just you you made a friggin album you've got multiple songs on there you thought about it did you then you should at least package it properly you know it's sorry but this is just something i get i get a bit pissed off by sometimes <laughs> like come on you've worked on a record for two years and you're not able to package it properly seriously you know, yeah. I think that's like the problem with a lot of physical sales, specifically with the CD, is that there's no effort put into it. So you're like, what's the point? Yeah, I why am I buying this? Why, why yeah. would I buy something that already radiates a certain eh? Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, yeah. So mm -hmm. we've got like three minutes left. So Corey, yeah, um, uh, the uh, question. Huh? You want to give Tom the question at the end, or Which a question? question? Oh, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not picking up what I'm throwing down. The the one, the I one you confused because you've not told me what the question is. <laughs> I, I was thinking you were going to pick up my thoughts, but you didn't. So I'm sorry. So uh, you have a final question you want to ask Tom then? I am actually good on my end, but I'm sure you have one. I do actually have a have a final question. So Tom, out of all your albums to purchase, not including your new one, what would be your recommended album for you, like on your label and solo, for people? Oh. To um i have to pick one um out of everything wow that's yep. hard um then then i'm going to divert the attention to aeon zen because i think the new aeon zen record is really friggin amazing and i think everyone should uh at least you know listen to it either digitally or get it get it on cd because yeah it's worth it it's a great trip absolutely cool uh cory do you have any final questions i do <laughs> no. Because she's not here, and in honor of Gaia, I'm going to ask you the question that she asks everybody. What is your favorite dinosaur? Um, Triceratops, easily. It's a classic one, but I've only heard that one said twice. I love it. Yeah. To, me, to me, it's just the idea that it looks metal as all hell, and it will fuck you up, but it eats plants, and I love that. It's, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I could totally murder you, but I got branches, and I'm good right now <laughs> yeah like like he, he doesn't care he doesn't have to care you know he, he's badass i love that so so to wrap up tom um you got one chance to ask us a, a stupid question so this is this this is the final your 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 opportunity to ask one dumb question of either of us or both of us why are watermelons why are water i don't agree with them okay um i i would i <laughs> I have the same answer. I don't agree with them either. Okay. You know, yeah. Weirdly enough, that makes me feel a lot better. Watermelon. What's that part? I'm not a big fan of watermelon. I don't I'm, like it. Either. I, I mean, it's all right, but cantaloupe I'm, is way better. Cantaloupe is the superior melon. Cantaloupe. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Okay. So with that, we're going to end off. Party on, Corey. Party on, guys. Party on, everybody. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your platform of choice. You can also join the conversation by following us on any social media 
and suggesting guests or topics you'd like to learn more about. Thanks for listening to C Squared.